After Things is brought to you by Patreon.com slash Weird Things. Thank you for supporting this show. Welcome to the After Things Show. I'm Andrew Main, joined by Brian Brushwood. Hello, hello. Bryce Castillo. Hello, hello, hello. And Justin Robert Young. What's up? Thank you for fighting hello inflation. <laughs> it's a real problem. I know. I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm whipping. Too many in... syllables. Are you just subtweeting me? I am, I am, I am, I am, I am whipping inflation now. <laughs> so uh, I want to talk about a, a, a career change for me. Big, big time, big time movement. Big time. Uh, a lot uh, of folks might I, know. Uh, I'll lead you into this, uh, Maine, that you have spent uh, the last few years working with a little company called OpenAI, uh, and then the announcement last week that you are no longer with OpenAI. Can you confirm or deny this? I made the difficult decision to leave OpenAI. And yes, uh, put that on Twitter last week. Uh, and it is, and let me be clear, it's been a great company. It's been a great experience. It's not like anything. I, I've had <laughs> one thing. Journalists follow people on Twitter. And when there are big changes with big companies, they reach out to you to ask you stuff. Oh, and it's yeah. like, oh, here's my story. It's an amazing, awesome company filled with people I'm still friends with. And I've had an incredible journey there. I came there uh, back in 2020 because I wanted to do a startup, but then it would be fun to work with them. Stayed around for a year and a half, then decided to go do a startup. And then, you know, I had a great conversation with Sam and some people there and said, you know, let's stick around, stick around another year and another year. And then I reached two years and I said, I got to go do my startup now while I still have a chance. So uh, while, you know, before AI gets rid of, you know, uh, capitalism. So I decided to go to a startup. That was the, 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 Simple answer. Is it, um, How much are uh, do you feel comfortable sharing with uh, us about the nature of the startup, or is it something that you want to hold on to for a proper release? I mean, my website's up and everything's out there, so it's it's all out there now. Uh, if you go to interventional.ai, um, basically the startup is right now. I think we're at an important point in history where AI technologies are incredibly capable, but the average person trying to adopt these things. There's not enough information or ability to do that. And so what I want to do is basically create a system and platform to make it very easy for people to learn how to integrate this stuff. And I'm starting with ChatGPT is an incredibly powerful tool. And so the, the startup is basically, if you've got a business and you want to train your employees on how to use ChatGPT and build customized prompts and whatnot for it, interdimensional can help. So that's it. So, so uh, uh, what do you know about it? What makes you such an expert? <laughs> he, he, we all know. We all know he knows. What? No, I know. Uh, I wasn't like actually challenging him. I was pimping him. To yeah, Andrew, out. show yeah. your bona fides. But, but, no, but 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 also we also know that Andrew is is kind and humble and and doesn't want to. Yeah, do but he's a, he has a startup. <laughs> he needs to sell it. Uh, I mean. You know, part of it, and I think we've talked about this before, as far as I know, I was the first person ever hired as a prompt engineer. 
I was the first, and prompt engineering existed before me, like very clear. You had researchers building these models and doing that, but I was the first hire for somebody to go, wow, like you, uh, you obsess over these models a lot. You, you spend an unhealthy amount of time trying to get them to do stuff. Um, do you want a job? And so that was sort of kind of my, my professional career started as a, a OG prompt engineer at OpenAI. And doing that, you know, just spending a lot of time figuring out what you can do with these things. And, you know, I'm proud of a lot of things I got to do. You know, I'm in the GPT-4 paper as one of the people listed for novel model capability discovery. Mm-hmm. And that's been the thing I continue to love to do is to figure out what can you get it to do. And, and now, you know, I want to just take that and interface that with somebody who's got a job to do, you know, and from whether you're somebody working in finance or HR, or maybe you're working at a research lab and you're like, well, can this accelerate what I'm trying to do? I want to go in and have my company help people figure out, yes, this is how we can use AI to accelerate what you're doing. Yeah. And I think that that's really the knowledge gap that you are very, very uniquely positioned to bridge for people is compared to a year ago. And for the, for the record, let's also remind everybody that ChatGPT has existed for less than a year. So uh, 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 it is. It has been as influential as it has been uh, in in our world in less than twelve months. People know more about what it can do, or what it can do for them, but we are still at very basic levels of of understanding of what these models are and exactly how you can really, really, really rev them up. And that's something that you have spent the last several years digging into the guts on and, and, and working on stuff as it's been uh, uh, developed. I, I don't know if anybody on the planet has the knowledge base that you have, not only of the, the, the tech, but also understanding the 360 of entrepreneurship and business and, and the workflow side of it. Well, and uh, if, if, if I could double down and feel free to let me know what parts you disagree with. Um, uh, number one, anybody who goes fully independent and, let's say, becomes a cruise ship magician and then decides to start writing books, developing new magic routines, and then decides to start cracking the dynamic of what it takes to write the perfect techno thriller, that's somebody who understands systems and also understands the way to do very effective communication. And then... Up comes large language models, which is where we're at with AI, that are built on effective communication. So uh, somebody who taught themselves how to program and how to build apps and also speaks the languages of how to exquisitely communicate to other humans uh, and also had a front row seat to the last three years of the development of everything, I would say is uniquely positioned to help anybody to usher into this new age in which yes you need to write programs but you don't need to even understand how python works as long as you can speak the language of humans which uh you are exceptionally good and proven at doing does 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 most of what i said ring true i sort of flatter and hope to live up to it i i think a lot of it comes back down to too is that you know, years ago, you know, we we were all involved in the skeptic movement, right? We're all involved in the skeptic movement. And, you know, Brian performed, performed about this. And Justin and I worked for the James Randi Foundation. And, you know, it comes down to sort of critical thinking and it's understanding information. And I think that when it comes to being really good now, the AI systems, particularly large language models, critical thinking is an important tool because critical thinking means understanding what a thing does, what it can do, what it can't do, figuring out why it didn't do the thing you did, you wanted to do. 
And I think that's kind of the core here where I, that's a thing that I always sort of look at is like, I always be like, why am I wrong? Why, what, what were my assumptions wrong about this? And then why did it not do the thing that I thought it would do? And um, now, you know, you apply that forward as we have, instead of trying to figure out how do you navigate the world of information and other people, how do you navigate the world of these huge language models and their capabilities? And it still takes, it all comes down to like uh, an appreciation for critical thinking. Um, and somebody pointed out, I imagine someone looking into business with Andrew and searching his name. And the first result is it's cut off here, but I can guess what that would be. Don't trust Andrew Rain. That's right. Um, <laughs> that, that was when I was named the, the science communicator open AI. I'm like, I like joke, like, all right, just so you know, when journalists go Google, who's the guy who's the communicating the science for open yeah. AI. And it's don't trust Andrew Rain. Well, and uh, if, if a mischief loving magician, nah, he's going to give you the straight shot. If, if, if you want to do a judo flip on that, uh, in order to deceive somebody, you have to create a model of what they expect to see. And you have to be able to communicate the truth effectively so that you can subtly tell something close to the truth to position them to have that moment of amazement. So uh, I, I, I don't think that's as big of a hurdle as, as, as uh, one might yeah. think. I mean, I, I look back at, you know, we've all been involved in the creation of magic tricks, right? And creating a magic trick and then teaching somebody to it involves going from your understanding of what the end effect is and all the steps it takes you to get there. And then realizing how do you translate that to another person? And I think a lot of like teaching people how to prompt or how to use AI is the same thing because you just sort of, I watch people, you know, I asked you to type a letter and it, it got it all wrong. Like, well, did you tell who it was to? Well, no. Did you tell it was about? No. Did you tell how long it was about? Like those things seem obvious to me, but somebody looking at the system might assume that maybe it has that information because somehow tied into your Gmail or something. And you have to sort of step back. And I think that is all of us have been involved in teaching from a lot of point. It comes from trying to understand who's the person learning. And, and I use my model a lot, me earlier along the path. And I yeah. got my job and, in part because I had to explain this stuff to myself yeah. all the time. Yeah. And, and I think you're really uniquely positioned because of that, you know, we LLMs and, and these AI models are only going to become more integrated into the way that we do things. Uh, uh, a very short example. Uh, I, I saw a clip of a teacher talking online about how do you use uh, uh, how do you build a lesson plan where students can't cheat with, with a chat GPT or an AI device? And the teacher said, well, have them use the AI, have it write your essay for you and then bring it in and edit it and make it good <laughs> at school so that you have the help and guidance. Like, like there's, there are going to be a lot of, of, of really either hybrid or integrations of of ai just in the same way that we have calculators integrated into human uh, uh life and education well and, and, and this uh, is just it's going to grow more and more I, 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 what it makes me think of is the the phrase show your work is just going to mean something different it used to be show your work meant that you make notation of how you got the answer of yeah. you know whatever this division thing is but now show your work could quite simply be hit record on your screen and let me watch the process you went through using an AI, asking the right questions, doing the research, and ending up with this excellent essay. Like, that also is showing your work. <laughs> it's funny. I, I was working with OpenAI to do uh, research into education. Talked to a lot of teachers. And uh, one, of the, the, one of the things that I found 
almost universally was that all the teachers that I talked to were not worried about cheating in the way that uh, we have kind of heard the the conversation around that. And one of them was like, yeah, uh, all of my students do all of their uh, all of their their assignments in Google Docs. Mm. And I have revision history. Right. Ah, yeah. So I know if 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 they are actually if, typing if or suddenly a giant leap a gigantic block yeah. of text uh, uh, shows up. Yeah. But, you know, the 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 evolution of education when it comes to to, to ChatGPT is fascinating. And, and a lot of the conversation around it from the educators were this the the time that a teacher spends with students might change a lot that what you what you want is creation to happen in the classroom as opposed to happening outside of the classroom because the basics of creation are that it takes time it's going to take you a while to write a five-page essay it's going to take you a while to read x y or z Mm -hmm. and there are certain things that will always do that but at the point of creation normally you wouldn't waste time saying hey everybody do your assignment while the teacher's here but that might be more valuable in a world where things can happen very, very quickly and uh, uh, research and ideas and everything that what you, what you want is the teacher there to help shape what Andrew's talking about, which is how do you get the most out of this idea? Where is there a disconnect between using this tool uh, to get everything that you want out of it, which is by the way, a lot more exciting and enriching than just, Asking it to do a thing where, where you don't know whether or not that's that's the idea. Because yeah. uh, the the whole thing to to put a last point for for the the grade school and, and uh, parallels here, like the whole point there is you want these kids to learn <laughs> to learn the material and know it, and making them, uh, you know, making them learn how to write a paper is valuable. Um, but at the end of the day, you want them to know what happened in the wars and what the math does. And if maybe that used to mean repetition, maybe it means learning how to talk to the AI. Because if you tell the AI to write, if you you have to give the AI enough instruction, uh, you're still just writing, right? What if there was an educational version of an AI where you had to put the facts in, but it still wrote everything for you or something like that? Yeah, I think... People are teachers are adapting very quickly, as we've seen. And, and there's some the ones that I've seen kind of complain the loudest tend to be kind of the academics who don't spend as much time in the classroom. The ones that tend to spend a lot of time in the classroom, like they're they get it, they like it, they're using it, they're embracing it, they work around it, and they're like, ah, oh, it's going to help people cheat. Like, so does a parent doing a kid's homework? You know, yeah. my argument is it's it's almost becomes this sort of classist argument where the kid who has the parent that's willing to take the time to help them, that's fine. But, you know, some other kid who doesn't have the opportunity that's using this, that's, that's bad. And it's silly. And I, I think, you know, there is, you know, AI is scary. It is, is an existential, potential existential threat. There, there is a lot of that. But it is, there are degrees of AI. There's ways in which you can use it and the amount. And to me, it's kind of like debating, well, should we use math or not? You know, should, yeah. should be math. I don't know. I'm not sure about math. And I think whenever I hear people like, oh, I'm worried about AI, it's like, say you're worried about math. Then, then tell me where you're worried about it. Here, I think that an example I've given before, and, and you know, anybody knows me, is that when I worked on the Shark Week special, I did, did a special for Shark Week, as you'll know. And I visited a lab, a big, one of the best marine biology research labs, oceanographic research labs in the world. And this thing is like 
looks like something out of a movie set. They had a dock with power boats. They had ocean views. They had a wave tank the size of a racquetball court. It just was an amazing facility, extremely well-funded, and had the brightest people in the world. People, anybody who, you know, super bright, wanted to work with dolphins or something like that, you would go there. I'm walking down the hallway on a tour, and I look through a door, and I see a woman, a young woman, in front of a TV set playing a video of underwater video of fish swimming by a reef. And she's got a clicker in one hand and a clipboard in her other. And I go, what are you doing? She goes, oh, I'm counting clownfish. And every time a clownfish swam by, she'd click it and write down the time stamp that the clownfish swam by. And I'd been in the middle of working on my Shark Week technology. I was building a system to let me see 360 around me. And I was using image recognition systems and stuff. And sort of a lot of it's still sort of new to me, but I'm like excited about it. I go, well, why don't you use OpenCV and train a model to do clownfish recognition? And then you could do a baseline for like eight hours and take five random spots or whatever and count how many fish and see how accurate it is. And OpenCV is this Python library that makes it super easy to train models. You can just, anybody listening to me right now, in a few hours, you, a weekend project, you could build the thing I just described. I know it sounds super complicated, but there's tutorials, instructions out there. It's actually not as hard. You just need to get some images, follow some instructions, whatever. And I said, well, you can do this because it's like, it would be, be a weekend project. And this person's like, what's OpenCV? And I didn't know what it was a year before. But to me, it's like, oh, of course, everybody should know this now. And this person didn't know Python because, I don't know, they're like one of the smartest people on the planet about fish. Yeah. I knew nothing about clownfish. And and I had this realization. It's a snake. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. I'm like, this, this is this person's job, this task, they could free up hundreds of hours over the course of the year if they had somebody had to walk them through a three-hour course and to do this sort of thing but there was nobody there to do that there wasn't a point at which they could stop and do that and there was no thing well, and then and the thing the deeper hold on a second, the deeper realization hit me was somewhere there's somebody in a cancer research laboratory yeah. looking at cells or looking at stuff like that and hundreds of hours thousands of hours could be saved in their lives and that's the thing was like i was like oh shoot this gap is scary. Yeah. Well, and uh, if, if, if I'm reading between the lines correctly, the gift that you are hoping to give to the world is to educate uh, people effectively about how uh, many of us naturally see the problem. And then the moment we encounter a way to fix the problem, we stop asking questions, whereas AIs will not stop asking questions. For example, in the case of task, count clownfish. Well, I guess turn on the thing grab a clicker, I'm doing it, uh, clearly I'm doing the job. But uh, but with a little bit more effort and the right prompts, you could say, hello, I have a job, and it is to find out how many clownfish there are over 75 hours of footage of this video. What are many different ways I could do this? And then you see a list. Uh, one would, of course, be to sit and watch and click, but another one might be write a script in this language. You're like, And then you could say, I'm unfamiliar with this language. Is it easy to do? Is it hard to do? And I was like, yes, uh, it's very easy to do. You just need this library, this thing. And it's like, okay, well, now what do I do? It's like, well, here, I will write you some code for it. Uh, try an example. Uh, test it uh, on, on this thing. And, and within three hours, you now have a fully automated script to replace those days and days of, of effort that would have otherwise been wasted. If, if uh, Would that be a, an accurate way of, of summing up one of the gifts that, that you hope to offer? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I, yeah, and I think you took it a step forward to the point that, that, uh, that we 
when I worked in GPT-3, I was tempted to go off and do stuff. And I thought GPT-3 was pretty capable. But once we got to GPT-4, and remember, you know, being open AI, I got to play with this thing since last year. And I yeah. looked at just how powerful this was and to see what it does and the ability for it to continue on and keep trying to solve a task. If you say, try this, no, try it again, try it again. And the scenario you just described is it's it's absolutely 100% true. And it feels like science fiction. You could now sit down with this system. And there are other systems out there, but I'm a big fan of ChatGPT, so I'm going to push that. You could sit down and have that experience you just described. Like, I have to do this task. How can I automate this? What can I do? Walk with, And it will take you through all those steps. And like, yeah, and a few hours later, you will have that. It can help you write, you know, a what's called a Python notebook. It could tell you where to do it. And you could do all of this. But you got to ask the question, you right. know, and, and you, and you got to know what the capability is. And that's 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 the big the big gap right now. And I've worked with people in, you know, in, at OpenAI, I've been working with people for several years now across different industries and stuff. And, you know, and sometimes we're like, yeah, we have to do this thing and we're looking to go hire these people to do this. I'm like, oh, that's just three sentences. Yeah. And then they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, because you just need to do this and do that. And once it does that, you're set up. And I've had many times I've worked with big tech companies and shown them, no, ask this question. Now you have this. And just save them, you know, huge amounts of money because all of a sudden they realize, okay, uh, and it just it's just part of it. Yeah, Brian, it is teaching people is one is just sort of help people create like part of the way this works is basically go in and help somebody in a role say this is these are the prompts you can use, whatever. The other part is to say, let me teach you how to ask the question. So any problem you have that could and not every problem solvable by AI right now. Like, that's the thing, too, is you don't want to go down a rabbit hole and find out like, nope, can't be done, but you can get a pretty good, you know. Pretty good insight early on with a little bit of information. Well, and uh, one of the wonderful things about the large language models is the fact that um, uh, uh, they're are all of the information was created by other humans. So really, what you're teaching uh, the the quiet part loud is you're teaching people how to effectively communicate to all of humanity that came before <laughs> you and say. Uh, this is my end goal. Tell me this and then how to do this. And then comes up with ideas. You're like, tell me more about blank. And then, and I, I, I don't know. It's, uh, uh, one of the most amazing experiences I've had with, uh, open AI was learning to program simply by asking for incremental things and watching it do it and understanding the structure of it. And, uh, uh that is a, a wonderful skill that I, I truly do believe you are uniquely qualified to to bring to the rest of the planet. Well, I mean, the more people that are out there doing what I want to do, the better. I'm like, I'm actually working on a blog post because I want to talk about like, like this is a space I want to get into. And the more people who I, I know, there's a lot of really clever people in AI who are doing some like you know cool stuff. And I'm like, there's there's that building stuff is cool, but my god. Teaching people how to use the tools we have can cause so much positive acceleration. So I want to encourage other people to consider doing the same thing. Um, I'll say this though: I mean, like it's it's you're at a point now where people will use GPT four to create new data. Yeah, you know, they'll say like, "Hey, you know, let me write some code, write it, solve this differently, solve this differently," and then you create entirely new bits of data. You can go back, and now you can chant, you can train. GPT 3.5 and GPT 3.5 is a highly capable model. So we're in this sort of phase where the computers are going to start teaching themselves. Yeah. I, I read a news article that said as much was ha is happening right now. Uh, when that's, that's a tough, that might be a tough thing. A, a data entropy of the link models, training models, training models, and then 
well, what what happens then? Do you do you does that hyper contrast the the language that these models use, or or did they get stuck in time? That would be. Well, there, there. Remember, think about it this way: there's, there's two kinds of intelligence, right? We, we use with the people we talk about. There's crystalline and there's fluid. Crystalline is the facts you have. Fluid is your problem-solving capability. Okay. Benjamin Franklin, sadly, has very little crystalline knowledge of the 20th or the 21st century. Should we bring him forward in time and we say, "All right, Benjamin Franklin, who was elected president in 1960?" Not going to know. It's going to seem kind of dumb. Yeah. And you're going to go, "Okay, is Benjamin Franklin dumb?" Like. No, actually give them a set of encyclopedias, you know, give them some puzzles and give them the elements to solve his fluid intelligence, extremely high. He can put these parts together. And with AI models, their fluid intelligence keeps increasing. A lot of people get fixated on the, the crystalline. Well, does it know this fact about here? Well, there's, you know, an example I've given in a post I talked about before is I could feed a model nothing but like Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter or fantasy fiction and stuff. And it's not going to know much about our world, but it's going to know about taxonomies. It'll know that, you know, Harry Potter is in the Gryffindor house, which is part of Hogwarts, which is part of this larger school system of schools, which is part of the wizarding world. And you could learn, and just the same as, you know, hey, a bat is a mammal, which is part of a carnata, which is, you know, man, you know, you know animals, whatever. And so that's the thing is you realize that, like, these systems, as that fluid knowledge gets more and more powerful, it's problem-solving capabilities. And that was really what was great about GPT-4. It wasn't just the stuff that it remembered. It's when you said, hey, this is broken. Fix it. Yeah. And that's what's spooky, you know? Yeah. Well, what's not spooky is your future with interdimensional AI. That's right. Uh, um, we are very, very excited about what comes next. It's going to be big. It's uh, going to be interdimensionally it's, big. It's, it's, it's going to be uh, 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 difficult for me to remember which parts I am and am not allowed to speak about publicly because I really just want to talk to you about your, your business. Stop, stop telling Brian. Things. Uh, damn it. That, unfortunately, <laughs> we're now, we're that's now in the realm where you need to stop talking to Brian uh, about oh, things. Hey, I just want to help. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, my pick's going to be interdimensional.ai. I hey! think they're a new consulting business about open AI, GTBT. Sure, it's not AI. Taskmaster. <laughs> I've been hearing things. Been hearing things about Taskmaster. Uh, so are, are, are you starting with a, uh, uh email list? Uh, I probably should. Um, you just got to contact, contact form. Yeah. Mm. Get that list. You gotta get. You know, you well, gotta get the a problem list. Is price, I have. I have to decide. Like, what? What did I want my call to action to be there? You mm -hmm. know, somebody who says, "Hey, uh, I'm a company. We're trying to solve this problem." Versus, I want to subscribe to your email list. I'm not saying you're wrong. I was just no. sort of. I went through that. If I yeah. can ask them to do one thing. Yeah, yeah. It's uh... and that'll be some. And I think that'll be a good after things topic in the future in terms of how you set your call to actions based on the the target funnel. audience. The and funnel. The, yeah. Um, Stay tuned to the After Things podcast, everybody. You know you love it. My pick is the After Party. Oh. <laughs> so the After Party is a show on Apple TV, and it's in its second season, and I'm watching it. And I gotta say, the the the, the premise of the show is that each uh, uh, there's a murder. Everybody is telling the same story of what happened leading in the events leading up to the murder, and in the first season. 
there was uh, uh, the idea was each person's memory was a different genre of a uh, uh, movie. Yeah. This one, they dig a little bit deeper what? and it is specific directors that they are doing parodies of at least the two that I watched last night. One of them was a very Steven Soderbergh esque heist uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, direction. And the other, which is my favorite this season, is a full Wes Anderson parody. <gasps> it's all beautiful and twee and, and it's, pastel. It's down to the claymation. Oh! Uh, 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 oh, it's going to be even harder for me to pretend to my family like I haven't already watched it. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really really good. The the narration, the acting, the way the the, the affected acting, the uh the sets uh, uh just great. Uh uh this this has been a a very very fun season and uh I I've I've been enjoying it. It's good. I know. That's the first I've heard about it. I have to check that out. <laughs> how, how, how much longer until we get you to crater and watch all of them? Have you watched all of them? Uh, n- no, I just I, I haven't yet. I don't know. I get I keep getting distracted by YouTube videos of body cam footage. <laughs> <laughs> everything okay? That lady is, is everything okay? That lady got drunk and is, then yelled at the cop, man. Is everything okay? Whenever Bryce Whenever Bryce tells me about how much body cam footage he's watching, oh I just God. I just feel like it's 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 time oh. for a mental health check-in. Oh man, Andrew, do you got a pick? I have no pick today. I'm trying to build a business, Bryce. Do you think I, I can sit around just watching stuff? I guess you could pick your business. You but... did watch like three Superman movies. <laughs> I mean, that's that's called research. One and a quarter, Justin, and okay. over a period of a week. <laughs> uh, I I will say, uh, uh, I have always been fascinated. Because I I have an inability to distract myself with almost anything when I need to get something done. I need to just, just sit there and bang my head against the wall until it's finished. Uh, uh, we, uh, Andrew and I got you beat on that one. <laughs> Andrew has always been able to to compartmentalize uh, and, and healthily, I think, give his know when his brain needs some kind of break and uh, 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 will will enjoy a, a, a movie or two. I've always I've always been very jealous of Andrew's brain like that. I mean, it's mostly at like night watching. Although uh, <laughs> I had bad allergies last night because right, congested, so I took a bunch of decongest. I took a to overdose on Sudafed. Woke up at like four a.m. and watched the Joker. Oh, so good. You, that, that was so dangerous. good. You were you were about to get the cops called on. I know Joker fight over here. <laughs> Joker pilled. Yeah, uh, yeah, I. Uh, that was uh, was one of those things where I congested, and two hours later, like still bad. I'm like, I just did not want to go. So I took two more Sudafed, and then I'm like, went to sleep, then woke right up <laughs> and couldn't sleep. So I'm congested. Uh, you're laughing, I and I'm congested. All the way through, like that <laughs> it's forever, it's like so. uh, uh, <laughs> your wife comes in, and you just hand her a card that says, "I'm sorry, I am on Sudafed watching the Joker right now. I have a I condition that, that causes me to continue to watch this all morning." That is my pick. Such a good movie. It Such really is. Joker. Uh, yeah, and the sequel, a musical, huh? Joker two. Is is yeah, it a full I, musical? 
And that's, uh, it, it has been referred to as a musical. Oh. That's a good thing they got Lady Gaga then. Yeah, I think that's probably what I'm they nervous. Cost yeah. You're nervous? I'm nervous? Why? Nervous. Well, uh, uh, because part of, if, if I may guess, Andrew, uh, uh, the reason I'm nervous is because Joker is an excellent anti-hero story where at no point are we confused into the Joker being a good guy at all. Um, he is a broken human who is broken and, but, and for such but, should be prison. The, the introduction of 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 uh, what's her name uh, will uh, uh, might tempt us to recast him as some kind of anti-hero, and I I don't know how I feel yeah. about that either. Yeah, because I because like I what I liked about when Joker came out, everybody wanted to politicize it, right? Where there was that that of, ah know, yes. Legions of and, young men that have been disaffected. It's the incel anthem. And you watch it and you're like, well, it could be a thing about being blue collar too. This and that. You could read a lot into it, but you look at his journey as, man, we need to do more to help the mental health of people. Yes. This is about a guy that just got, you know, a physically abused when he was a child. There's a subtext in there about concussions to the head, possibly cause some sort of lasting damage in him. And he keeps getting pushed aside and pushed aside and ignored and ignored. The boy says he's like he says I didn't even know if I was real. And you're like, what a weird thing to say. But like, no, this is that's like, man, this is like the forget one floor over the cuckoo's nest, which I think the next one's actually going to kind of emulate a bit. But like, this is a great commentary about mental health. Yeah. Like, how do you get to this horrible spot with the city rioting and things like this and guys like this being held up as heroes? Because just like I'm just like, man, this is a Really good commentary. We need to look after each other. And this time with songs. <laughs> Three, two, one. Three, two, one. We'll see. Yeah. Well, though, it's it's crazy, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. One, two, five, nine. Oh, in math, Rocky. It's been after. <laughs> Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> <laughs>